Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is episode two of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast, uh, your podcast for all things giant monster related, Japanese special effects, science fiction, etc., etc. Uh, I am, uh, you may know me as Bird from this podcast, as well as If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It. And with me is Matt Parmley. Hello, and, Matt uh, Parmley. <laughs> I'm known as uh, Matt Parmley, yeah. You may know him from the last episode of this podcast. Um, so now that we have the intro episode out of the way, we can really start getting into the getting into the good stuff uh, and just uh, talk uh, kaiju. That's why we're here, um, and we're gonna start in probably the most logical place to start any uh, hopefully long running kaiju podcast. That's with Godzilla um, because hey, that's. That's the star, right? That's the most popular. Um, everyone loves Godzilla, right? Sure. Um, <laughs> so we're just going to start with, uh, we're just going to kind of give a recap of each Godzilla series and kind of talk briefly about each movie. Uh, it's, the longer this show goes for, I mean, we'll start doing specific episodes for different movies, but... We figure to start, we might as well just do a quick run-through of all the movies, and um, I guess what we think about them and our impressions of them. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? What's that? That, like, weird Daimajin, like, novel that came out, where, like, oh, he yeah. fights, like, Cthulhu monsters or something? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even... I... <laughs> I thought I thought if that thing wakes up, we all die. So like that would be the end of the story, right? That's how that goes. <laughs> I don't know. Like I feel like the the plot synopsis was kind of translated, like from like someone who didn't have English as a first language. From <laughs> from what I understand, like some guy, like a missionary, is trying to bring Christianity to Japan or something, and he encounters like a Lovecraftian ocean god in the water, like on his journey and he survives but like that changes his perception of god and then like uh it's like medieval japan so like the christians that are there being like oppressed and then like uh at some point like um someone wakes up like a 
a sea monster, like, and I guess, like, people think the Christians are, like, these, like, are this, like, Lovecraftian cult, and <laughs> and then, like, some, like, Lovecraftian Cthulhu monsters wake up, and then Daimajin fights them. Like, I don't know. It sounds bananas. <laughs> It's not like it's ever going to be published in English, so that synopsis is probably the closest we're ever going to get to like learning what <laughs> learning what happens in this thing. It sounds like an asylum movie, is what it sounds like. Which, ironically, I think I would actually go see. <laughs> I would watch. I would watch it. Are you kidding me? You've That's seen not- those, right? The Daimajin movies. Yeah, I actually have them on uh, have them on DVD. I, ha- I don't have the most recent like Blu-ray release, but I have like the original ones that came out. On DVD, probably. Ah, okay. The Blu-ray, is, the Blu-ray release is it's 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 legit. The transfers are good. It's it's a Mill Creek set, so it's like pretty affordable. Uh, it's got extras. Um, I know, like the ADV DVDs, a couple of movies were like framed wrong or something. Yeah, th- yeah, those weren't those weren't that great. I remember watching them. Like, man, this looks like uh, some video Daikaiju transfer. Yeah, yeah. But no, like. Um, yeah, we'll we'll obviously do an episode on those. Um but uh yeah, I, I, like I don't I'm I am going to get you to watch a lot of stuff that you probably haven't watched. A lot of it's probably going to be bad, but <laughs> Well, bad bad science fiction movies uh, I'm I'm definitely okay with. Right. I hope you're ready though. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> All right, so we're here to talk about Godzilla obviously. Um and uh, we're just going to kind of go through the history of the movies. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to cover, you know, the, I'm, the, the three Japanese series as well as the TriStar movie and the Legendary movie. Um, and uh, I know there's some other stuff, like, in between, like, uh, there was the Hanna-Barbera cartoon, the TriStar cartoon. We'll get to those eventually, but right now we're just going to focus on the the movies. There's 30 of them at the moment now, uh, counting the two American releases, uh, making this the longest-running licensed movie franchise um, in the world. It has the Guinness Book of World Records uh, record for that. Um, so... Without further ado, we'll just get into Godzilla, which is probably, I don't know, as far as giant monsters go, he's probably the most, I don't know, would you say he's the most famous or the most iconic? Like, the, obviously the only one that would be any kind of competition is King Kong, right? Yeah, especially over here. But, like, Godzilla, maybe maybe more so in some respects. Like, he, Godzilla launched a, a genre in Japan, um, although King Kong is obviously partially responsible for godzilla so i, I guess you can make the argument <laughs> partially <way>. well <laughs> responsible for yeah um yeah no for sure um so i don't know there has to be a reason why people keep seeing these and we'll we're gonna get into the good the bad and the ugly on here um but uh okay like so we'll start with just um the first movie uh, directed by Ashiro Honda, who... So the first movie is 1954's Gojira. Um, there's so much history behind this movie that I don't really think we should touch on it too much. Um, this is one of the, the movies that I think we're definitely going to have to do it an, a whole episode about. Yeah, so, you have to. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, the most... I'll give the most abridged 
version of the backstory on this. So, um, <clears throat> Toho uh, had a deal. The production was canceled, and Toho still had their funds left over, and they had the release... Um, I think they had the release date set, and they were like, okay, we need to make a movie. And around this time... Um, a re-release of the 1933 King Kong um, came out in Japan and was a huge hit. Um, and then the story goes that um, Tomoyuki Tanaka, who was the producer at Toho, who um, was on an airplane and he looked out the window and he uh, he he had just heard about an American uh, movie that came out called The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Uh, it was about a monster who was awakened by nuclear tests in the Arctic and then uh, made its way to New York and went on a rampage. Um, and he kind of liked that idea, and he was... The legend goes that he was looking out the window of his airplane and thought about, you know, this giant monster coming out of the sea. In his head, he he wanted it to be an octopus. He had a weird fondness for octopi, which shows up a few times <laughs> in the Godzilla series, or just, I guess, in the Toho, Toho sci-fi series. So he's... Um, so that's the idea he kind of brings back to Toho. Um, now, um... Uh... Uh, Eiji Tsuburaya, who was like Toho's uh, special effects guru, you know, special effects director on many of their movies, a lot of war movies. Um, after Akira Kurosawa, he 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 was kind of considered the most powerful um, person at Toho. Really, like um, this was great great news to him because he'd always wanted to make a monster movie um, ever since he was a little kid. King Kong was his favorite movie, and he went to great lengths to get his own film prints. Like, remember, this is before home video, so, and, and before movies were running on TV. So, like, if you wanted a movie, you either had to see it in theaters, or you had to have a, you had to be rich, or Im someone important, which he was. So he, um, you know, just being a huge fan of Willis O'Brien's work, he had his own print of... Um, King Kong, he had his own print of Mighty Joe Young, I mean, and I mean, these are movies that he obsessively just, just, just poured over to figure out how they did each effects shot. The, the creative team at this point in place, the writers and Tanaka and Tsuburaya, like, they really wanted to make a movie that spoke about the horrors of, uh, nuclear energy and the nuclear bombings, um, and H-bomb tests, um... So they wanted a movie that felt really not like any kind of monster movie he had before it. So they went with Honda because he, at the time, um, uh, he had just kind of started directing on his own, and he he was doing some documentaries. So they wanted to go with someone who could give it like a documentary feel, um, and that, I think it works. And I think that's like one of the strongest part like elements of the movie is that it does have a real grounded like realistic documentary feel to it dia Subaraya obviously being like the big kong guy like he he kind of had his heart set on doing this in stop motion and i feel like he always wanted to do a stop motion movie and you know i mean the way toho worked they they just never had the time or the money to do a stop-motion film. I mean, stop-motion is such a long process. 
Um, like, I mean, Harryhausen, granted, Harryhausen didn't really use assistance on a lot of his movies, but a Harryhausen movie, he, it would take him years. Um, and it, stop motion, su- such painstaking work. And I think if he had it his way, he, he would have liked to do the movie stop motion, but they were like, no, like we only have a few months to, to get this thing, get this thing out here. So, um, uh, they, they were pretty innovative and they, they, this is kind of the birth of what's now called the tokusatsu, which in Japanese means, just means special effects, but it's kind of picked up a slang here as like Japanese special effects, kind of like anime being like ja- Japanese animation or kaiju being like Japanese monster movies. So this is kind of the birth of the tokusatsu method, which is miniatures and, um, actors in suits and uh they got one of their uh, stunt guys haruo nakajima who would play godzilla over and over and over and he would also play um you know in a lot of the non-godzilla kaiju movies that toho did this guy was like the jackie chan of suit actors like he would this one like he passed out in the suit um i mean so future movies they had to make the suits a little more mobile and less uh like, less heavy, even though they were always, like, I think something like, geez, something like 300 degrees inside. Yeah. faint from exhaustion. Yeah, yeah. and then, like, on, on, uh, like, when he played Baragon, he was buried alive, uh, so he could come out of the dirt. When he played Varan, um, he, uh, like, um, one of the, a squib went off for, like, a bomb, like, right by his genitals, uh, he suffered an injury. Like, this guy, like I said, he's done crazy, crazy things that you'd have to be a lunatic to do. God bless him. So the the movie itself is kind of speaking to, like I said, obviously um, a lot of the, the things J- Japan went through in World War II. Um, uh, the Tokyo firebombings are definitely an influence on Godzilla's raid on the city. Um, and then obviously the H-bombs... Um, not only are there a lot of references, direct and indirect references to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but also um, one of the things that kicked off, you know, probably probably even more so, maybe, of an influence was what's known as the Lucky Dragon incident in Japan, which was um, around the time of this movie, maybe even, I think, 1953, just to give you an idea of how fast this movie was made. Um, I think, uh, I think it was 53. Maybe I'm wrong, but... I think it was 54. Okay. Actually, I think it was yeah, like it might have even been 54, yeah. but, um... Because the movie came out in late 54, but, uh, the story for that goes, um, you know, there was a, a Japanese fishing, uh, boat that was, uh, kind of went a little too far out, um, and, uh, there was... The U.S. were doing some... H bomb tests uh, in the Pacific, and it contaminated the the ship and the fish on the ship. So uh, a lot of people um, who ate the fish got sick. So there was a lot of um, radiation sickness and radiation poisoning going on, um, and that was like a huge controversy in Japan. Like that was a huge issue at the time, and I think that that incident is really clear, especially in the opening of the movie where you see the, the fishing, uh, boat, um, get attacked and Godzilla sinks it. So just politically, this movie is kind of saying a lot. Um, like I said, there's a lot of history to this movie and that's, that's probably the most condensed I can get it. This is actually, I don't, I'm, 
in the majority, probably. But I think not only is this the best Godzilla movie, but this is probably this probably still is my favorite movie. Um, it's a movie that I just think every time I watch it, it works. Before we kind of talk about like what works or maybe what doesn't work, even who knows? Uh, like, do, do you have any kind of like um, any thoughts on the movie that you kind of want to lead off with? Nah, I mean it's it's the it's the best film of the franchise for sure. I, I think it's definitely the the most um, powerful film in the entire franchise, and it 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 tells the the anti nuclear message more so than any of the other Godzilla films. A lot of the other Godzilla movies that follow definitely touch on it and have like anti nuclear messages, or they they tell maybe other stories like. Godzilla versus the smog monster is telling a very specific kind of story, but this movie, um, it it's kind of it, honestly it's kind of chilling when when you actually. This is this might be the only one in the series that I would call a horror movie. Yeah, it's it's it, honestly I don't watch it often because it's tough to sit through. Like there's some scenes in this movie that are like, I mean they're they're tough to watch, and and, and I say that because like if you there, there's just like you have the scene with like the 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 mother and her son or her child i guess and you know they're they're surrounded by fire godzilla's just torched a building right around them and she's basically telling her son that they're they're going to be with their father soon they have nowhere to escape the flames and like you see that you see the imagery in the film you talked about the fire bombings like the the imagery in the film is lifted directly from like the fire bombings in, in tokyo is lifted directly from like the actual atomic bombings like if you look at the the pictures and compare that like side by side to images from like the film like it's pretty clear exactly the kind of story they're telling and that's the stuff that really works well and like the, the stuff with the hospital at the end of the film and like the the choir which it, that that scene with the choir at the end of the movie like that that all that stuff is like i mean it can it's it's really powerful and those are the things I think that are just tough to sit through. They get you thinking, and it's and that's why this movie works so well. This movie is definite. This is the only. This is also the only movie that I would say out of the whole series, like it's a bummer. Like <laughs> you don't walk away from this movie feeling good. So it's not the one that you go to when you just want to watch a fun monster movie, like. You know, it's it's kind of like you know why. It's, are you a horror guy at all? Yeah, I, I do actually like horror movies. Okay, because it's like, you know, okay, like, do I want to watch Dawn of the Dead or do I want to watch Night of the Living Dead today? Like, you know, you're going to pick one <laughs> yeah. over the other just because one of them you just leave feeling like, wow, like, that was like a a, a punch to the gut. Like, and, but obviously, and I think this movie... I mean, there's been other Godzilla movies that have great human characters, but I think this movie wouldn't be as powerful without the human story. And, like, there's, so there's like, such a big thing in the fandom about, like, well, there's not enough monster stuff, blah, 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 blah. More than that, like, what is important is does the human story work? And, like, are the humans engaging? Are they interesting? And this is a movie that, like, you have... Like I mean, the 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 movie is t it's a monster movie saying all these political things, but it's built around the story of a love triangle, and because because of like just how how well that's presented, 
that's what kind of brings you into the world of this movie. And I, I think on that level, it succeeds in a way that no other Godzilla movie really has. I think, I think other movies have human characters that are just as good, but I don't think any other Godzilla movie has a human story that's nearly as good as this one. Yeah, I, I, I definitely can see that. And, and I think especially like Sarazawa's sacrifice at the end and like the, the way that it goes down and the, and the fact that he's he, like, it, it, man, it really does. It bums you out. Like, <laughs> and, and the thing that sends that like over, over the edge into being like effective is like when he says be happy together, it's like he knew that she was seeing Ogata the whole time. Yeah. Like, and, he, and, he, <laughs> and he's not an asshole about it. Like, he, yeah, he, he you get the feeling that he probably knows, like, okay, this was an arranged marriage, and she's probably not too into it, and, you know, there's nothing I can do, and, like, you know, he he he's never, like, a jerk to anybody, he's just kind of, like, in his own, he's in his own world the whole time, because he's, like, one of those eccentric scientist types, but he's not, like, you know, he's not made out into being, like, the villain, or, like, like they want you to feel something when he dies, which is like, I don't know. There's there's no other Godzilla movie that has like a character that has an arc like his. Like, and I'm not even I'm, I'm not even necessarily saying that as a bad thing. Like, maybe there shouldn't be. Like, when you have a movie that does this this well, like, how do you top it? Almost. But see, I don't even like saying that because then it's like I'm saying like, oh, don't even try. But like, that's not what I'm saying either. Am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Well, it, you know, one thing too, like the all all the characters and, and the 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 depth that's presented there, like it, you also have the tie between the the scientist who, who who wants to study Godzilla, and then you have like the military trying to kill Godzilla, and then you have Sarazawa trying to like he has this weapon that can is potentially more dangerous than Godzilla is, and he has to use that to kill Godzilla off because Godzilla is basically going to wreck the world. Yeah. And he has to sacrifice himself in the process so that he can basically make sure nobody else can get the plans for the weapon in the future. The movie doesn't like try to take any shortcuts. Like it actually wants to like develop like these characters. Yeah. And I I think too, like we'd be a little remiss if we didn't talk about the American version a tiny bit. Yeah, no, we, we definitely need to talk about the American version. Cause they, they cut out a lot of, well, they, they cut out some of the anti-nuclear stuff. They add in, obviously, Steve Martin, which is a American reporter who basically is telling the the story. They they edit some, uh, they re-edit some scenes and kind of shuffle some things around. Um, it, it's definitely a toned down version of the movie, but it still works pretty well. Yeah, I, think. I honestly feel like, I mean, there's American edits like um, that I might like more than the Japanese versions, but this is the only Americanization that I think actually turned out good. Like a lot of these movies, like King Kong vs. Godzilla, Godzilla 1985, like um, uh, like Varan, like they all kind of did that thing where like, okay, to mar- market it better to Americans, we need to put an American lead in it and chop the movie up. This is the only time that I feel like they it worked, and I feel like it was actually kind of faithful to the Japanese version. Um, because a lot of the footage is, isn't cut out. There's a lot of parts where it just plays the Japanese footage and you have, like, someone telling Steve Martin, like, what's happening. 
Um, and then, like, the way they integrate him as a character, they don't just give him his own story and ignore the main characters in the Japanese version. What they do, and through, like, a lot of editing and, like, shooting um, doubles from behind to focus on him to make him look like he's talking to one of the Japanese characters, like, they actually give him a relationship, like, with the Japanese characters. And through some clever, if not sometimes obvious, editing... Like, they make it believable that, like, because the whole story is, like, he's a friend of Sarazawa's that, like, they went to school together and he's in Japan for a story. And so that's how he gets, like, involved. And I don't know, it's never presented in a way that doesn't feel natural. Like I said, I mean, sometimes you can tell, like, he's not really talking to, you know, this actor or that actor or whatever. But <laughs> Like, how many back of the heads do you have to see? <laughs> <laughs> right. But I, I do feel like he works as, like, a, a cipher for the audience, and his narration, I think, is really good, actually. Like, um, yeah, I, I think the American version is pretty strong. Obviously, the Japanese version, I think, is better, uh, but the American version is pretty good. Um, and I know Honda also said, you know, he's like, you know, I understand why they had to do it, and for what they were trying to do, I think they pulled it off, and, you know, I agree. I think I think the American version's, like, an interesting, like, like other take on the story, and I don't know. I, th- I think it works as a movie. Yeah, it, it definitely does, and it, it holds the core of the story together and does it in a way that's kind of respectful to the source material, and, and you're right, it, it's probably, it's easily the most faithful of the over-Americanized uh, Godzilla yeah. films. And they don't even, I, like, it's not like they completely throw out the political messages altogether. They're in there, but they're just not, like, they're not as overt, but they're still in there, like all the yeah. anti-nuke stuff. Like, it's still there. Definitely still there, but not not quite as um, prominent, probably because they had to, like, edit some stuff out to get Steve Martin in the movie. Now, um... Well, I, no, some of that stuff was deliberate too, though. I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure some of it was. I mean, it wasn't that far after the war, so they probably wanted to tiptoe around it a little bit, which again makes sense. Um, but they didn't throw it out completely, and they easily could have too. Um, yeah. Now, do you think? Because there are some people. I don't necessarily agree. I kind of want to hear what you you think. Like. Some people feel like this movie is anti-American, and I never, I don't know, I never got the, it's anti-American, and I know for a fact that Honda wasn't a racist, because all of his movies are pretty much anti-racist in a way. (laughs) I think that the way they're presenting it is more factual, like, yeah, no, they're not going to get into, like, all the awful things Japan did in World War II, and they really don't have to. I feel like they're just tackling the bigger issue of nuclear weapons and why they're bad. Almost like as a, hey, this happened to us and it sucked. Not like, hey, this happened to us and you suck for doing it. Like, I don't know. I never thought that this movie carried an anti-American message. I don't know. Is that something that you've seen over the years, people saying that? And, like, how do you feel about that? I really haven't seen people say that. But, like, I've never saw it as, like, an anti-American film at, at all. I think – I think G, did G-Fan run, like, a funky article about that one time? That seems like a, 
I don't, I don't know if they did it. Pro- I'm like, sure. I, I guarantee. I don't even need to like go and check. I, but I'll just. I don't know for sure. But I'll say, <laughs> yeah, they like- did. Just because G fan, <laughs> like the last 15 years of G fan, have been pretty insane. So. Yeah. I'm, I, <laughs> I guarantee you they did. I've I've always seen this film as being nothing more than like an allegory for for nuclear war, not not so much like a, an allegory for like America is a terrible and it it never struck me as that. I mean like and and the thing is too, you know, they they use American and western actors in a lot of the early Godzilla films. Mhm. And, and there's nothing in there to to me that would suggest like this was a anti-american kind of film yeah. especially the stuff that follows afterwards too because like you would figure if that was such a a huge sentiment especially for the people creating it because they're they're all you know they're making the, the the films you know 10 15 20 years later like they would have continued that kind of sentiment but it's, it's nowhere to be found in my opinion yeah same here um now i don't know like is there anything in this movie that you don't think holds up i mean this movie is over 60 years old so there is there anything that you feel like just you watch nowadays and you're just like ah, this is not really holding up like because it's black and white i think that sort of protects some of the special effects work yeah so, so to speak um some of the, the like the, the the switching of the props back and forth like you can tell when the suit's there and when it's like a, a hand puppet and some of that kind yeah, of yeah what's up with that they don't look the same at all no, but like, but then Godzilla nineteen eighty five has the same issue. Yeah, what so. the, what's wrong with them? Like, well, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Like the puppet in the suit look <laughs> like you could convince you could convince some. You might you could probably convince someone that they're two different monsters. Even yeah, they they don't they don't really look anything alike. And and <laughs> the thing that tipped me off to it was the fact that I had a friend named Chris that I swear looks exactly like the hand puppet. <laughs> Like dead on the hand puppet, but there, there's for the most part, I actually think all the stuff really holds up over time. Especially like the the scene where Godzilla is getting uh, coming ashore and he's getting attacked by the military, going through like the the high tension wires the first time. Um, all, all that stuff's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. I I think the yeah the hand puppet's a little funky. Um, there's a couple shots that bother me every time I see it, like. There's one shot, I think it's shortly after he knocks over, like, the radio tower that has the reporter in it, where, like, um, you see, like, his tail, and, like, you can see the wire, like, yeah, it's I know not about. even, like, like it, I think that shot was, like, either sped up or slowed down or something, too. I know what you're talking about, like, his yeah. tail's, like, moving funky or something. And then, um, <clears throat> and then, uh... The and then I will say one thing that I wish held up a little better these days. And again, I mean, I realize it's an old movie and it's not the movie's fault, <laughs> but nowadays, like, I and I don't know, maybe it's because I've shown this movie to so many people now. Like, you think, like, the first Godzilla movie, the first time you see him, it's gonna be incredible, right? And it's just this kind of like hand puppet that's like peering <laughs> over a mountain, and it's like, eh, you know, yeah, you know, the movies, it's, it's this movie's getting old, man, you know, and stuff like that, you know, the more conditioned we are to watching, you know, a Jurassic Park or an Alien, you know, the the more you're gonna look at a hand puppet coming over a mountain and being like, oh, that's all you got, but hey, for the time it worked, okay. <laughs> You know, actually, for me, that scene still works pretty well. Like, I don't, I don't see it as being like a, 
um, a, a bad shot. Like it's it's not. <clears throat> you know what though? One thing too that that I'll say about this film is like Godzilla's Godzilla's roar, like the way that his his he sounds in this film and like the the early films especially, like it, it, it's. It's, it's terrifying it really is the 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 way that like when he looks up at the camera or you know they they catch him like it would if you heard that in real life like you would crap yourself yeah he's never <laughs> sounded like this ever again um but uh do you know how the roar was made pop quiz yeah the uh the contra brass and i, I they, yeah he rubbed fukube rubbed a glove over it and it made that sound and he kind of manipulated it a little bit and that's how we got godzilla's roar yeah and it's uh it's pretty spectacular in my opinion it's it's to me this is godzilla also has the best monster like war cry of any sort of i mean it it just toho in general actually has some monsters that have some pretty pretty awesome like roars but godzilla's especially to me is 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 pretty awesome And, and in this film, like it's terrifying. It really, it really is terrifying. It sounds the like it just sounds so like it sounds very otherworldly. Oh, and then the other shot that bothers me is at the beginning. This is so stupid that this bothers me. But <laughs> at the at the beginning, like um, when the boat is being attacked and there's like the guy doing like the um, the SOS, like he's sitting down, he's doing the SOS, and yeah. like, the ship gets bumped, and he instead of moving backwards and falling over he moves forwards <laughs> and it's like if the ship is getting hit from that direction he shouldn't be moving forwards he should be moving <laughs> backwards i don't know why that bothers me but it does so there yeah it doesn't, that doesn't really bother me <laughs> do that you know, much do you know the guy i'm talking about yeah i know exactly yeah. what you're talking about because i remember that little yeah 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 i know what you're talking um, about um also i i I think, like, the the score in this movie, obviously any of the Afukube scores are great, but in this yeah. movie especially, like, the the slowed down, um, like, the, the slowed down theme when he's attacking the city, again, yeah. it's just, like, it's chilling. Like, it's... Yeah, it's, it's actually scary. It's like, when he's so, trampling like, the train, like, stomping on people and biting the train, like... When he picks up the train in his mouth, and, and like, there's some really chilling stuff in this film. Yeah, and and it's just it's so like it's the it's just like the 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 way the music is going with the that scene is like it's unsettling. Like you really feel the drama. I, I honestly think Afukabe might be my all-time favorite composer. Like his his music to me, like I, I don't think that I can find many composers that rival. The, the scores that are put in the in the Godzilla films like they, they even now like I watch a film like Godzilla versus King Ghidorah like the 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 scene when Godzilla is coming out of the water and he's coming out for the first time like that that scene to me is like breathtaking every time I see it mm-hmm. and I, that I don't even love that movie very much but no, like that if, scene if Fukube no he probably is my favorite movie composer like how like effective his themes are like his military marches like I'm a big heavy metal guy and big punk rock guy but like his military marches get me like just as amped up as like you know listening to like Slayer or something like <laughs> like I don't know he's great like I I would honestly put him up there with like John Williams and yeah, um, I would absolutely and, too. like Bernard Herrmann and 
like all those guys like i i really would there's there's some really awesome scenes too with like godzilla marching down the tanks like the tanks roll up and they shoot godzilla and all of a sudden you see him like start to backtrack and then he just lights him up with his beam like yeah like that that scene is awesome and then you have i, I talked about the scene with the with the mother holding her child already like that and, and the the ending you know like the, Everything at the hospital and where the the camera's panning basically yeah. back and forth showing the devastation yeah. afterwards. It yeah, just... and, and you have like the kids who are like radioactive. Like that's grim yeah. stuff. Like <laughs> it is. <laughs> so so let's talk about like overall rating. So we talked about using kind of like a scale out of five. I'm assuming I know what your score is. Oh, but this I'm is a five. My... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> S- same same here. That's exactly what I gave. And, and this is this is a hard film for me to rate because like. It's so different from everything else that comes after afterwards. It's like I, I feel guilty even like comparing this to the other movies. Like if this is a five, I feel like we really it should be like a ten, like a ten out of five. <laughs> like that. That's yeah. It, it, it's that good in my opinion. But um, now, do you think in the next Godzilla movie, Steve Martin, the uh, the comedian, should play a character named Raymond Burr? <laughs> well. Maybe it, it might uh, it might actually help the uh, the, the next film. <laughs> That's what it, uh, my if it bleeds co-host Trev always says. <laughs> um, well, I okay. So this is obviously like to us, this is like a perfect movie, pretty much. So yeah, yeah. This All is right. The- so so this movie made a lot of money, and Toho are like, hey, people like this, so. They're like, what? Quick, quick! What do we do, everybody? So they're like, uh, well, we we should make a sequel, and that movie is Godzilla Raids Again, nineteen fifty five, and uh, you can tell they didn't really know what they were doing yet. Like, you see an early version of the formula, like where there's another monster that Godzilla fights, but like since they didn't know what they were doing, like compared to the other movies, it's like they messed it all up, like. Uh, anyway, so, okay, this is, um, uh, uh, a movie directed by Motoyoshi Oda, who, if you don't know who that is, um, no one knows who that is. Um, he did a lot of Japanese movies, um, I think this is the only movie of his that ever got a release here. Um, the only other sci-fi movie I know of, he did the year before, and that was Toho's Invisible Man, uh, which I would love to watch one day, but oddly enough, no one's ever fan-subbed this one. I don't know why. Um, uh, Ishiro Honda at the time was making Half Human, um, which, uh, again, hasn't been released anywhere and is banned in Japan, uh, under Toho's own banning, um... But if you look in the right places, you can find a subtitled copy. Have you seen Half Human? I've not. I've I've heard uh, I've heard some cool things about it. Well, you'll you're you're gonna watch it for this podcast, my friend. Um, anyway, so now uh, Toho has um, a few writers on here. Um, the the most notable one is um, Takeo Murata, who, um, co-wrote the original Godzilla movie, and Rodan, and a couple others, um, so very quickly, um, Tomoyuki Tanaka was like, hey, we need a sequel, and we need it out next year, like, hey, guys, get it done, 
So they uh, rather quickly wrote uh, Godzilla Raids again. Um, and uh, this also introduces us to a, f- um, a few Godzilla actors that we would see throughout the series. Um, uh, Hiroshi Koizumi, uh, who just passed away not too long ago, makes his uh, kaiju movie debut here. Um, and then uh, Yoshio Tsuchiya um, has a bit role as like a military guy. He's in Seven Samurai. Um, he's in most of the Honda movies. Uh, he's a really good actor. Um, and, uh, here they're like, okay, well, how do we make Godzilla come back? He died in the last one, right? And, and so very quickly at the beginning, um, Professor Yamane, um, again, played the great, by the great Takashi Shimura shows up, um, and he's like, uh, well, hey, Remember the last movie when I said, like, if you guys don't stop screwing, if we don't stop screwing around with nuclear weapons, like, we might see other Godzillas? He's like, well, hey, there's another god. You guys saw another Godzilla. Like, um, it's about (laughs) these pilots. They crash, and they see Godzilla fighting Gilas on an island. Um, And so there we have a new Godzilla who isn't it? Isn't it a good thing that this Godzilla isn't as mean as the '54 one? I always thought that. Like, <laughs> no Godzilla after that has like been that like that much of an asshole. So, <laughs> um. So anyway, and then you have Angelus as the first foe of Godzilla, and so like the Godzilla versus formula is coming into play here. Um, and the movie itself really is. Like I said, like just because we've seen this formula so many times, like you go back and watch this one and it's like it plays out really weird. Like Godzilla kills Angelus in the middle of the movie, so then like after that it just goes back to being like Godzilla versus people again. And um I don't know, this is a movie that like the pacing isn't all that good. Um it's obviously a rushed sequel. Um and it feels like a stepping stone to getting to the formula that the next movie kind of brings together. Um, and, uh, I don't know, the Godzilla suit in this is like a weird, like, skinnier variation on the last one. Probably because, like I said, there were so many issues with the actor in the suit in the last movie. Um, and, uh, I don't know, I, this is is one of my, like, lesser, like, I still like this movie just fine, but, like I said, there's really not a lot of Godzilla movies I don't like, but this really is kind of, like, near the bottom tier for me, like, yeah, me I, I, and I, I, I just, I, I just don't have much to say about it one way or the other, like, it's not great, but it's not awful, it's not good, but it's not really bad, the human characters are fun, but nobody is really like interesting enough to really care about that much. Like they try to do like the character sacrifices himself at the end <laughs> thing again and like I don't know, it doesn't really play out nearly as effective as the the first movie. Um Yeah, it, man, I, I this movie kind of bores me for the most part. Like obviously Angelius Angerus, like love the monster, but both of them look in their first incarnate. Like, God, the Godzilla suit looks kind of funky here. Like, you have this the the weird like camera speeds, like where they're they're fighting at like I don't know they 
what was the deal with that? I think the camera was set in the wrong setting. Like or they, they like, they <laughs> meant to like film it normally, but they like <laughs> messed up or something. Like yeah, like <laughs> like like. Well, I think like if you crank the camera slow, I think that it goes fast. And for some reason, I don't know. Like that's what I. That's the thing. Like I guess it is like not so bad having like you know film that you can like watch and rewind like. If you mess up that bad, you can go back and, like, fix it. But here they just had to, like, okay, well, we have to fil- send the film out to d- get developed. And while we do that, we have to shoot more stuff. Oh, and we already have no budget, and we're making this in, like, a week. So <laughs> there's nothing we can do about it. So, yeah, like, it's, like, the monster footage is, like, all messed up. And, like, it looks like Benny a Benny Hill skit. Like, it's all, like... <laughs> It's it's really weird and like fast and I I've seen some fans say like oh like that makes it look like more like a two real animals fighting like you know like you'd watch yeah. on like the Discovery Channel and it's like hey it, yeah I don't it know. looks like they're it looks like they're dancing to me sometimes like it, it doesn't it doesn't convey any sort of like realism to me and the thing is there's actually some cool shots in the movie like there's some cool ideas to it. But like you know, they they have the idea. They introduce the idea of like Godzilla being attracted to light, which in some in some respects might make sense. So it's why it explains why he might attack a city, that kind of thing. But then like every other film after this forgets that idea. So it's 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 introduces some cool ideas, but for the most part, like I, I will give it credit for the ending, like burying Godzilla in ice. Not a bad way to like it, it's it's kind of a unique way to get rid of the monster without actually getting rid of the monster. Yeah, and to be able to bring him back later on. Um, but like I just, it's it's not a not a movie that I'm going to watch often. I kind of find it boring, and it's going to be near the bottom, like bottom five, bottom six for me. I don't know. Out of thirty movies, that's probably not the place you'd want to be. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of bad Americanizations, like you've seen Gigantus, the fire monster, right? Yeah, where they like they and they they change the roars for the monster. Like there's so many changes to this film, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like. Godzilla's. I guess they, they for some reason they thought like a sequel to a movie everybody saw like wasn't marketable here. So, well, the original <laughs> idea was they were going to loan out the costumes to an American company to do an all new movie with the Godzilla and Gila suits called the Volcano Monsters, um, which would not be like they would just be about these two dinosaurs that come out of a volcano and fight each other or something, and that fell through. And then they were like, well, a sequel to Godzilla, like, people probably won't care. And so they renamed Godzilla Gigantus, for some reason gave Godzilla the same roar as Angulus, and then gave it probably, like, one of the weirdest dubs ever. (laughs) Like, it's got a narration, well, Hiroshi Koizumi's character narrates the whole movie, and it's voiced by George Takei. Did you know that? I did know that, yeah. Um, and it's like, it's so weird because he literally narrates everything. Like, yeah. this movie, <laughs> like, I feel like it was made for blind people. Like, like he's like, and I was flying my plane and I saw my friend and he waved to me. So I thought <laughs> I would I would land my plane and talk to him. I talked to him and he was doing okay. And it's like, why are you saying all this? Like... <laughs> I don't understand it. And then it's just got some really weird lines. Like the most famous one is when uh he's talking to his um his girlfriend or his wife or whatever and she says something he doesn't agree with and he says, "Oh, banana oil." <laughs> yeah. And it's like, "Why?" And like the really the only reason he said that is cuz like it's the only thing that they could think of that would match the lips. Like 
And then, like, it's edited really weird, and I don't know. It's just a, it's just, I don't understand a single decision that, I think it was Warner Brothers. I don't understand a single decision they made when, when bringing that movie here. Well, plus they made Kobayashi, like, basically retarded. Yeah, he talks like Yogi, he talks like Yogi Bear. Yeah, they just, they made him an idiot. (laughs) Also, like, this was, this was the movie where they made, Toho made the gods, they actually made different suits that were never used, the Godzilla and Inc., they actually remade the suits for the uh, Volcano Monsters that was never made. Yeah. There's like, there's like one picture that exists of the suits, which is kind of interesting. But um, So what do you give this one out of five? Uh, I gave it a one and a half. Oh, man, that's that's pretty harsh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't – I just – like I said, like it's, it's, it's a bottom-of-the-barrel kind of Godzilla movie. Like – and again, I'm kind of rating these in scale with like Godzilla films, so like you got to you got to put it in some sort of context. Like I'm not rating them on a scale of like other films. It's just these are in comparison of all the other Godzilla movies, right? So in the scale of Godzilla films, like this is kind of like a one and a half bottom of the barrel kind of film. Yeah, I would go maybe two, two and a half. Yeah. Um. Okay, so then this movie came out and nobody really cared. Um, so Godzilla is out of the spotlight for a while. And then, uh, while all this is happening, um, poor Willis O'Brien, man, this guy just could not catch a break. Uh, special effects innovator, guy that did King Kong, the Lost World, Mighty Joe Young, literally the father of modern special effects. And he's got all these great ideas and no one wants to have anything to do with them. And... For the longest time, he's trying to do a King Kong sequel, um, which was King Kong versus Frankenstein, um, which would involve King Kong fighting like a a large um, creation made by Doctor Frankenstein. Um, eventually, it morphed into something called uh, King Kong versus Prometheus. Again, King Kong in this would fight like an, another like humanoid, undead humanoid giant. And like so many great ideas he had, everyone's just like, no, 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 no. No one cares. No one wants to see it. And so he is just kind of shopping this idea around. And um, this is another like huge backstory, like the original Godzilla. So I'm giving kind of like the most condensed version of it that I can. Uh, This is probably a movie we'll do a whole episode about again um, at some point. So we'll save a lot of it for that. Basically, story is um, uh, Willis O'Brien uh, meets a, uh, a business partner named John Beck, um, who really buys into this King Kong versus Frankenstein thing, and he's like, "Yeah, we'll get this made. We'll get this made." And so he partners up with him, and Willis O'Brien doesn't really hear much um, about it. Um, and then while Willis O'Brien is kind of just sitting at home, maybe waiting for the phone to ring, John Beck, uh, has a meeting with Toho and they're like, hmm, we love King Kong here and our, um, 30th anniversary as a studio is coming up around the corner. A what if we bought this idea from you and commissioned a new script from our own writers and tweak it a little bit and have King Kong fight Godzilla. And that'll be our big 
Toho's 30th anniversary movie. And John Beck is like, sweet, that's great. And Toho's like, okay, here's a bunch of money. Um, go away. And John Beck makes off with a lot of money. And uh, Willis O'Brien doesn't find out, I think, until he sees the trailer <laughs> for this movie that this happened. Um, so this is just another notch in the the, the world hates you Willis O'Brien story. But fortunately for Godzilla and King Kong fans, uh, not so much fortunate for King Kong's creator, um, we get King Kong versus Godzilla out of this. Um, again, King Kong's creator, Marion C. Cooper, again, he had no idea that this was happening either, I think, until he saw the trailer. And he he was so infuriated that legend has it that he was in tears when he found out that this movie was made. Um, we probably have mostly a Godzilla fan fan base, so they might not know really the perspective of this movie as viewed by um, the King Kong side of things. But it's really kind of shitty <laughs> that it went down that way. Um, and, uh, as far as I know, nobody at Toho knew that the creators of King Kong were getting such a raw deal. Um, and I believe John Beck was taken, was getting sued by, by them. And I think he died before there was any kind of like conclusion made here. Um, did you know any of that? <laughs> yeah. Like I knew, I actually didn't know, um, some of that it it it's just such like a like Beck screwed just screwed him. I mean, like that's just such a jacked up story. <laughs> it really like, is. Like if someone had done that to you, like you would go to their house and I don't even know, like you you just want to murder the guy. <laughs> <laughs> like someone took your idea and literally sold it and made money on it. Like, ah. Uh, okay, John Beck didn't die until 1993, so they must have had like an out of court settlement or something. But still. That's 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 such a like shady thing to do. Like I don't know. I mean, it's not surprising. Like Hollywood producers have like a yeah reputation for doing things like that to people. Um, so that's bad news for the people that made King Kong. Uh, it's good news for the people at Toho because um, I mean, Ashiro Honda and Subaraya, like those guys are. Obviously, fans of the original King Kong, which is why they gave us Godzilla. So, Subaraya especially is just, he thinks this is great. Like, hey, I get to make a King Kong movie. Um, so, uh, now this is a... Uh, and, 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 you know, to add insult to injury, I mean, we've both said at this point, like, we're all for the tokusatsu effects. But stop motion had like a really like at the time had like a really reputable like top of the line like classy effects reputation. So for them also to see their creation that was like painstakingly brought to life via stop motion, not only be a man in a suit, but to be like the worst looking version of King Kong imaginable, like that had to like oh my god like. I don't know, like, I love this movie, and, but, like, I hear that, and, like, I almost feel bad. I'm like, oh, my God, these guys, like, they just, like, shat all over them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't think anyone at Toho knew, like, all the backstabbing that was going on on the King Kong side of things, but... Yeah, it was pretty terrible. But now, um, Where's King Kong suit? Would this or, or King Kong Escapes? 
because I would go King Kong Escapes, but they're both really? pretty terrible. Yeah, they're both terrible. I think I might go with Escapes just because I feel like it's more like I don't know. I feel like he he's more a little bit more expressive. Like, does the King Kong in this even move his face? Like. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. But, like, the King Kong escape suit, when he does express himself, it's, like, to the point of being hilarious and not, <laughs> like, his lip moves up and down, so to speak. <laughs> and also, I, I, I also have to give King Kong Escapes the slight edge because it didn't use those weird, like, arm extensions that yeah. this one did. And, like, I don't, like, I guess, like, you know, to make him more like a gorilla so he can, like, walk more on his, like, arms, like, they gave him, like, a... Those weird, these weird arm extensions that like just don't look right at all, and like the fur is like it looks like I don't know, it looks like like an old rug or something. Like it looks like a dog with mange. Yeah. It, oh my god, it's the worst looking King Kong. I just ugh, ugh. It's it's like embarrassing. Like I legitimate. This is one of those things. Like I legitimately want to don't like. I guess like the most you could say is like you know Superaya. Like you know he, he. This is at this point. This is where he like he wants Godzilla movies to be for kids. Like so the thing I can think like come up with the best is like he thought like he didn't want King Kong to be too scary, but like that still doesn't like make it okay. Like why he looks like this. <laughs> So King Kong versus Godzilla um talk about the Japanese version first um unfortunately due to weird rights issues with Universal um it's probably not going to get a US release at any point soon um but there's there's a gray market ways of getting your hands on the recent Blu-ray that has a pretty good transfer um, when this movie went to home video, there were so, there was some footage that was completely lost. Um, so uh, on the Blu-ray, um, the best they could do is like the old DVD transfer, which like the Japanese DVD transfer for this is like notorious for being like awful. Um, just after that Blu-ray came out, though, hey, they found the negatives for some of the missing footage. <laughs> it pretty bad timing, um, but. Uh, the restoration that they did do on the Blu-ray looks great. Um, and there are ways to find translated versions of that. Um, anyway, so King Kong versus Godzilla. This is where the Godzilla versus formula really is perfected, I think. Um, and, uh, basically this movie works on a lot of levels. Um, this is a pretty sharp left turn from where the last two movies were and then this movie is pretty much i mean let's call it it's a comedy um and it's really heavy on the satire um of commercialism and just like i mean the 60s not only in japan but even in the u.s pretty much everywhere you're really seeing like commercialism and branding start to be like a really big thing in our everyday lives. Um, and it's also kind of in the post-war Japan, um, you know, your, you know, the J Japanese home life, it's not too different from like the American dream, quote unquote, of the fifties where you have, um, you know, your household with a housewife and, uh, someone who just has like, um, you know, their steady everyday salary job, um, 
So a big thing in Japan was what's called the salaryman, and that was like its own genre of comedies, where the salaryman comedies, um, and that's a huge kind of influence here as well. Um, but basically the whole, the plot of the movie is ridiculous and it knows it's ridiculous and it's <laughs> trying to kind of make a comment on how ridiculous just corporate, corporate commercialism can get. And it's, a, a, the, this spazzed out guy that owns a pharmaceutical company. Um, he wants to make some new commercials and he's like, I, I need a monster to be in my commercials. And everyone's like, what? That's insane. And he's like, no, 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 no. I need a monster. Um, this scientist guy that I know somehow uh, went on an expedition and found a giant ape on fa- this island called Faroe Island, which is Toho's version of Skull Island. And he's like, I want King Kong to star in, in these pharmaceutical commercials. And he brings King Kong to Japan. And at the same time, um, the ice that Godzilla was frozen in in the last movie has kind of broken off, and he's in, stuck in this iceberg. And then um, these morons, I don't know how they, these guys did this, but <laughs> these guys <laughs> in, a, uh, in a, a, a sub crash into this iceberg and free Godzilla. If any of them survived, I guarantee you they lost their jobs. Um <laughs> He burns them up, and he actually shoots them with his... uh, Oh, yeah, no, none of those guys. Well, if they did live, they would all get fired, probably. (laughs) I I just want to know how how that... I always thought, like, like, that's kind of the things I think of when I watch these movies. Yeah, like, how does that happen? Yeah, I'm like, imagine if this happened to you, and, like, you're the guy that has to call someone and be like, um, we crashed the sub... And it's like, what? How? What? Why? Um, we hit an iceberg. <laughs> yeah, we hit an iceberg. What? Not only did we hit an iceberg, but uh, we kind of sort of um, freed Godzilla when we did it. <laughs> like, <laughs> We went full Titanic and released the monster. Um, <clears throat> I, I, yeah. <laughs> and Godzilla makes his way to the mainland um, at the same time that King Kong breaks free from his captors. And they they meet in uh, and uh, yeah, oh yeah, that was a, the last battle. Yeah, the, well, the first time they meet, they have like a brief uh, like scuffle, like in the mountains, and then they meet again in the middle of the city. Um, King Kong goes on a rampage, and they decide to drug him with this juice that they have on Faroe Island that he likes to get really hammered on. <laughs> So they get him drunk, and then Godzilla's on Mount Fuji, and then they just they just lift him up with a helicopter and drop him on Godzilla and hope that they kill each other. Um, um, and the first time you see King Kong, this was kind of Super Eye's excuse to wedge a giant octopus in there, um, which is actually, and uh, except for the parts where the octopus fights King Kong, was actually a real octopus that. Um, they actually cooked after the shoot. Afterwards, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's our movie. There, there's, like, some weird parts that I think are, like, weird leftovers from the Frankenstein script because, like, King, for some reason, King Kong is, is gets stronger from lightning, which this is the only movie that King Kong has that power in, and it's really weird. And I feel like that might be a leftover from, like, the Frankenstein script. Um because, you know, Frankenstein has a whole thing with electricity. Um, uh, as we've said, the King Kong suit is awful, but 
this probably has one of my favorite Godzilla suits. Um, it, it, it's unfortunate that the guy when when look at, like from from the front the Godzilla suit in this doesn't look all that great but from the side i think it's like the perfect looking Godzilla yeah it's definitely one of the more iconic Godzilla suits and i think for a lot of people uh like this is one of the best ever probably like the this suit is is uh, like X plus is uh, releasing a massive, like the gigantic X plus Godzilla suit of this. And it's, I mean, everybody's going bananas over it. And it's this Godzilla suit is one that um, pretty much everybody likes. I think for me, it's, it's not one of my top ones, but like, I definitely like it. It definitely is one that, that I, that I would put probably in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I like the original 54 one and I like this one. Um, like I re- this is like I don't know. Like a lot of people like the one in the next movie versus Mothra, but I like this one more. I don't know. It, it like I said, I don't like how it looks from the front. Like he looks kind of like Kermit from the front. <laughs> but but like yeah. from every other angle, he looks like perfect, I think. Yeah, there, um, there's some there's some really cool things too like uh when he's marching down the the train tracks and you see like the side profile view of him. There's some really cool shots and actually I like when he uh initially cha- attacks a mi- the uh, military base right after he breaks from the iceberg like those those sequences are, are pretty awesome toho had this thing like going on too in the early like the early parts of the series where like they came they came up with these crazy military planes to get rid of godzilla like the the insane amounts of electricity they were going to throw at him or like they dug a pit in this movie and they topple godzilla into it and like light it with uh fill it with like gas or like kerosene or something and like light it on fire to burn it to death like they, they come up with these crazy ideas to kill godzilla and that's one thing i really appreciate about this film is like the the really um over-the-top military plastic yeah. get rid of the monsters that's something that i think is like a really big like uh honda thing because like he had like a, a like a really crazy fetish for like like military planning and like all kinds of like that's why like sometimes he'll have those montage scenes that just seem to go on forever of like them building stuff and like it's weird <laughs> that like no they don't really do anything like that like in any movies after like the like after like the the sixties like I don't know that's something that I wouldn't mind coming back to like is like. Yeah, just like even if there's not another monster around, just like what's the military do? Because because everyone asks like, well, why do they keep like trying to shoot them with tanks over and over again? And it's like in those old movies, they were trying like other things like at the same time. Yeah, and and this movie especially like, has some pretty pretty cool uh, sequences in it. And also like this is one of the only films where like Godzilla is laughing <laughs> like at his adversary during during fights. Yeah, he does like, that like weird clap. <laughs> He's like clapping and laughing at King Kong. Yeah, and Kong's like, "I'm too drunk to, to care right now." And he's like, "I'm fine." <laughs> <laughs> he's like still stoned or something out of his mind. Yeah, and this is because like uh, this is actually like where Shiro Honda started to like kind of like tune out a little bit because Subaraya was really insistent on making these for kids. So like he uh, he always wanted them. He always tried to like push for the monsters to like have more humor or more like human characteristics. And that just drove Honda crazy. He said these monsters should never act like people. And I think that's why, like, after Monster Zero, he kind of, like, focused more on, like, uh, more of the hard sci-fi stuff with them and only came back kind of, like, for special occasions. Um, but, no, I, th- I, th- I think this movie's a lot of fun. Um, this is the first time you hear the Godzilla theme. Um, 
And uh, I think the Afukube score is really good. Uh, unfortunately, the American version cuts it out entirely, except for like the uh, like the island um, chants and stuff. Um, and I just love the battle between King Kong and Godzilla. And for all the like weird changes they make to King Kong's character, like the lightning powers, he's from a Faroe Island, he's bigger. Like I really do feel like they did justice to the King Kong mythology. Like Faroe Island is clearly Skull Island. Um, everything from the way the Islanders are dressed, um, to how King Kong himself behaves, it's all King Kong. Like I and I don't know. I I do feel like the the people that made this movie, even though the circumstances regarding how it got made are a little unfortunate, I feel like their love for King Kong definitely comes out in this. Um so uh and yeah, and I just love the the fight is exactly how you would think a King Kong versus Godzilla fight should go. You know, King Kong's all brute force and Godzilla you know, has, you know, his own set of powers, and, you know, there's so many great things that King Kong does that, you know, it's, it's, I mean, he's a giant ape, and he behaves like one, like, there's that part where he, like, he tries to, like, <laughs> like, walk around, like, a mountain, and, like, sneak up behind Godzilla, like, one of my favorite, probably my favorite scene in this movie, one of my favorite scenes in any Godzilla movie is when King Kong picks up a tree and he's trying to shove it down Godzilla's throat. Yeah, that's a pretty awesome Yeah, scene. and Godzilla lights it on fire and shoots it back at him. Like, it's a really awesome sequence. Uh, it's probably one of the, my favorite fights in the whole series. Um, I don't know, I really like this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, before we give our ratings... Um, like, uh, we're still talking about the Japanese version. We'll talk about the American version in a minute, but I don't know. Like, that's kind of, like, my brief review of the movie. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I actually like it. I, I used to hate this movie uh, with a passion. And, and then as I got older, I went back and kind of watched it again. I'm like, there's a lot of really good stuff in it. The characters work pretty well. Um, they, play off, they play off each other really well. Taco's freaking uh, – he's hilarious. He, he's one of the best – characters in the series because of all of his antics and things and um i actually really like it i think it's one of the one of the better films in the entire series and it kind of shows you why like the the 60s are essentially kind of the golden era of toho films especially as it comes to godzilla i mean that's just um the american version by the way is uh pretty atrocious although it's kind of like comically bad if you go back and you watch it with all the stuff that they add into it and you got like the the scientists talking about how small Godzilla's brain is and comparing it to like a berry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on here? He um, he compares the size of Godzilla's brain to the size of King Kong's skull, which makes no sense. Yeah, like, and they have that like little dinosaur like picture book. Like yeah. it's like a little kid's book. <laughs> yeah, they're they're like talking to each other and like there's random shots of satellites that are yeah, it's just so weird. They're talking to each other, and it's yeah, just... the, and like, yeah, that's stock footage from the Mysterians that is there for no reason, like those satellites. I don't know. It's... Yeah, they, they. I, I mean, I've seen both versions. I actually don't mind. I, I know that they they basically use Universal music in the in the movie. I believe it or not, I don't mind um, for the American version. Like, it works fine. Like, it works fine for what it is. Um, but the, the Japanese version is obviously a, a better made film, uh, especially cause they don't, you know, cut things out and, and a Fukubi score in this, in the original film is, is pretty masterful, especially cause you get to hear the Godzilla theme. Yeah. Um, this is also the first script, uh, 
in the Godzilla series. It was written by Shinichi Sakazawa. Yeah. Um, he handled a lot of the more, like, lighthearted, um, more, like, fantasy-based Godzilla movies. And then Takeshi uh, Kimura wrote, like, a lot of, like, the darker, more serious, like, straight sci-fi ones. And really, if you had either of those screenwriters, and then you had Ishiro Honda directing... Tanaka producing and Ifukube doing the music. I mean, in my opinion, that combination of personnel is about as perfect a, a team that you can get. Like, that's just like that's like my perfect movie is is something with that all those guys do together. Like, it's it's peanut butter and jelly in movie form to me. Like, nothing really gives me the same feeling as. A Honda Subaraya movie, like that's just the dream team, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm with you in that. Yeah, this is one that I I've always liked as a kid. Um, and discovering the Japanese version, I mean, when you're older, you can appreciate like the satire is pretty clever in here. Um, and then yeah, it's one of those ones where, as far at least for me, like I have nostalgia for the American version, but. It's like the American version took a comedy movie and took all the comedy out and tried to make it serious. First of all, like yeah, m- minus the corns. The- yeah, 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 yeah. But like most of the satire and most of the comedy is gone. And then on top of that, the whole movie just because they felt like they needed Western faces in it is just broken up by those two idiot reporters. And every time they come on, they just slow the movie down. By, like, yeah. a million. Um, Basically meaningless exposition is what that is. Yeah, nothing they say matters. <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. Um, but, no, this one, um, I really love this one. Like, these first set of, set of movies, they're, like, hard to rate. Like, I'd give this one maybe a four or a four and a half. Yeah, I'm, like, probably three and a half to four on this. I mean, like, uh... I don't know. It, it, it is hard to rate because, like, when I was a kid, I would say like this was a two. And and part of my reason for hating it, honestly, was because Godzilla lost. You know, like there's always that debate: like, did Godzilla lose or not? Yeah, like, I. You know, yeah, I, like, I, I, I. When we started talking about that, I was like, oh yeah, we should probably talk about that. And then like I kind of forgot to. But can we just settle that right now and like, say Godzilla that Godzilla lost? lost? It, it, the the. Toho says Godzilla lost. He lost. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, now Toho is more like a, oh, it was a draw thing. But, like, at the time the movie came out in all the official press materials, like, film books that, like, had, like, movie synopsises, they plainly say Godzilla lost. And thinking about it, though, like, from a historical perspective, why wouldn't he? Okay, imagine you're Toho, and you're like, okay, we have our character Godzilla who is, like... I mean, their favorite movie across that studio is King Kong. They get a chance to have their creation fight King Kong. Are you really going to make Godzilla win? Why would you? Why would you? <laughs> like, I, like, if I made up my own monster and they're like, oh, you can make a movie where it fights Godzilla, like, I would be like, okay, yeah, Godzilla's going to beat my thing. Like, <laughs> like it, it just and also King Kong at the time was the bigger draw. I mean, King Kong had been around since 1933, and what was one of what was already one of the best and most influential movies ever made. And then, like, I mean, you're not. And then Godzilla. This is his. You know, Godzilla's been around like half as long. I mean, yeah, you're gonna make King Kong win. Like, yeah, and as a kid, I hated it because I love Godzilla, but like now. Like it, it doesn't bother me. And in fact, I think the way that they handled it though was was pretty clever. Like they both go tumbling off the thing, and Kong surfaces, Godzilla doesn't, and so it's kind of 
ambiguous but also godzilla is pretty clearly the villain in the film like yeah <laughs> like like that's the point like godzilla is the villain like kong is kind of taken there again against his will like he's not he's destroying stuff but he's he's there to fight godzilla he's kind of the good guy in the whole thing so I don't know. Although it's kind of funny that the idea of a good guy just being like the drunken good guy, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <to me. laughs> um, okay. So the following year, Toho are like, hey, that whole – oh, yeah. We might as well mention that this movie was a huge hit. Um, yeah. And I think it's still to this day the highest grossing Godzilla or King Kong movie. Um, so my guess would be even if Skull Island and Godzilla 2 don't do that well – they're probably going to go ahead with King Kong versus Godzilla because if this movie proves anything, it's that that's a movie people will go see. Um, so this movie was a huge hit, um, and to this day, it's still considered a huge hit. Um, so Toho's like, hey, well, hmm, that whole crossover thing was a good idea. Um, so they're like, hey, well, for the next one... Why don't we cross over our Mothra with Godzilla? Godzilla versus Mothra. It'll act as a sequel to Mothra and as a sequel to King Kong versus Godzilla. So here you have Toho beating Marvel by several decades, and as far as that <laughs> whole cinematic universe thing goes, well, actually, Universal predates both. But uh, here we have uh, Mothra, uh, who is the adult Mothra from the original Mothra, uh, has its egg wash up on a beach. Um, Godzilla is still knocked out from the previous movie. And just in case you're still one of those like, oh, Godzilla won or Kong didn't win people, the original script for this, people thought Godzilla was dead after his fight with King Kong. Okay? <laughs> so, yeah, he lost. So um here now we now we have kind of a repeating theme um these greedy businessmen want the egg so they can use it as some kind of like weird like attraction basically but like it, it that and so they're clearly the villains and then you have the twin fairies the shobajin from the first movie um they're back they're trying to get the egg back and they're telling these guys like hey if you don't return this egg Mothra's going to be pissed. Mothra's going to come back and bring it, and you don't want that to happen. Um, while all this is going on, Godzilla wakes up. Um, he, at this point, he had washed ashore with the egg, pretty much, and he's buried under under the ground uh, after the tsunami because, hey, he was knocked out after that last movie where he lost. Um, so uh, he wakes up, and then he tries to attack the egg, and then, um, you know, that's when Mothra comes in, and they fight, uh, and, um, um, is great, uh, and it's one of the more, like, I guess, moving, um, uh, scenes in the series, and it has that Honda theme of, like, why can't people just put aside their differences and work together, um, and, uh, yeah, the effects, the miniatures are great, the Godzilla suit's great, the Mothra prop is great. Uh, the whole movie's great. What do you think? Yeah, it's an awesome movie. Uh, I think I like it slightly better than the the previous movie. And it's probably my favorite or second favorite 
um, Shawa Godzilla cut like suit. The just the th- this suit is uh, ferocious. I mean, it just, it just looks awesome, and has probably the best Godzilla entrance I think of all time. It's a Godzilla, good one. Yeah, Godzilla coming out of the ground is pretty clever. Like, not something I, I would have ever thought about. Like, you don't expect it when it happens. Like, all yeah, that's like the, the last moving. place you expect him to come out. <laughs> yeah, like all of a sudden the ground moving. You're like, what the crap is going on? And um, yeah, everything about this movie is awesome. And again, this has one of the best like military versus Godzilla confrontations. So, like right after Godzilla fights Mothra, he's basically then attacked by like a, these nets that the military drops on him, which then they use to uh, electrocute him with uh, these like high tension wire. It, it, it's the whole thing is pretty awesome. And that that scene for me is kind of what puts this movie over the top of some of the other stuff because it's so creative. Like it's not something I would have thought. I don't know. For, for me, like the military stuff is kind of what pushes this movie over the edge. On on top of the really the characters, like the characters are all really well done, and especially the villains. Like they're truly awful to each other. Yeah, and, and um, I, they and they <laughs> die pretty gruesome deaths that are pretty deserved, really. Yeah, like they turn on each other. One guy shoots the other, and then Godzilla kill, like <laughs> comes and destroys the the place out there. And like it's just it's pretty brutal and uh, definitely deserved. And and the thing is, I think um, as a kid I didn't like it because I'm like again this was my bias towards like nobody should beat Godzilla. But the the fact that Godzilla was beaten by two Mothra larvae, larva, but like that that's, whole battle was actually yeah, really that, clever. That's something done. that really I didn't like care for that much as a kid and not so much that he lost but like it was the two like larvae that beat him but then i don't know like you watch the movie and like they're they do it by like outsmarting him basically like they're not the movie isn't like oh hey these two little worms are stronger than your godzilla like no it's like these are two like tiny creatures who are babies and they have to really like rely on their wits to take down godzilla and i don't know i think it works yeah, it does, and the fact that like the the you know obviously the idea after this is that one of them probably died from the from the battle because it never shows up again essentially. Yeah. Um, after this film anyway, and like it's a brutal fight. Like they bite Godzilla's tail, and he like just beats the crap out of him repeatedly when they're hanging on. Like it's it's a it's it's a fun movie, and the, and Mothra's sacrifice is actually a pretty um, it's a sad part of the movie, but like kind of moving. And it's just it's a well done movie, and a lot of people would actually elevate this one like to the status of probably being on par with the original. I don't put it quite that high, but like I know a lot of fans who who do that for sure. Yeah, I think after the original, this one is probably as good as it gets. Um, and this is also one. Now we're entering the time where um, AIP was doing a lot of the dubs, or if not AIP, Titra Studios, or if not them, some of the same personnel from one of those studios. Um, and this is one that actually has a really good dub. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that the, the, this, the American release of this movie was really weird and that they were trying to like cover up the fact that it was Mothra Godzilla was fighting. So it was, <laughs> it was called Godzilla vs. The Thing, and all the posters are Godzilla fighting something that's being like blocked and censored. And it says, like, what is The Thing? What's this terrible creature? And then you go and see it, and you're like, oh, it's just Mothra. And, <laughs> and because of that weird marketing decision, the, the Mothra is con- constantly called The Thing, in the movie. And if not for that, I might 
prefer the American version to this one. Um, keep And remember, the American version also has that really cool... Um, it's the only time an extra Godzilla scene was filmed for the American version. And it's that part where he fights the American... Um, he fights the U.S. Navy. Yeah, that's actually a pretty sweet scene. Yeah, and so if not for just wh- why they felt like they had to call call her the thing all the time, I would still I would probably prefer the dubbed version. And it, it's a solid dub. Like a lot of the dubs from the '60s, most of all, most if not all of the Toho dubs from the '60s are really good, and they had real voice actors. Like once you get into the dubs in like the '80s and '90s and on, they're not good. They're not good. <laughs> they're like not you have good. like three people doing like. 20 different voices but here you had like paul freese and a lot of people that did cartoons and like real voice actors and it shows like it's a it's a good dub and uh this is one where i can safely say unlike the last three if you pick either the japanese or the american version you're getting just as good of a movie like it's great no matter how you watch it yeah it's it's a, it's a really good movie i i would give it as far as the rating goes like it's definitely like a four four and a half out of five like yeah. it's it's one of the better films. Yeah. Of this is a five. Films. This is a five for me. Yeah. Um, now, this this is when it, Japan is going nuts right now. It's kaiju crazy. Um, so this is one of three kaiju movies that not only did Toho make, but Ishiro Honda directed that had Tsuburaya doing the effects. Like, they're really cranking them out in 1964. Um uh, so you had Dogura, the space monster, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a future episode, but that was 1964. And then the other Godzilla movie that was 1964 was Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, which is where we are introduced to King Ghidorah, um, or Ghidra, or Ghidra, or however you want to say it. I say Ghidorah. Um, and uh, so this, is again, they're like... They're doing the the whole crossover thing still. They're like, okay, well, Godzilla just fought Mothra. Who can we get Godzilla to fight? So they come up with King Ghidorah, who will go on to be, like, the Joker to Godzilla's Batman, pretty much. Um, three-headed space dragon. Uh, his thing is he pretty much just walk, goes around space and destroys planets. That's kind of, like, his thing. Um, and they're like, well, how would Godzilla defeat this monster? And they're like, okay, well... We'll bring back Mothra, but he's going to need some help, too. So they're like, hey, remember that movie we made in 1955 called Rodan? Um, let's bring Rodan in. And Rodan is still safely uh, trapped in the volcano from the uh, first Rodan movie. Um, at this point, um, we left off both of these other monsters with two. Um, so, uh, it's pretty safe to say the other Mothra died and the other Rodan died. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're just going to leave that out there. (laughs) Now, this movie, I love this movie, but the plot is really weird. Um, (laughs) so, uh, this princess is traveling and she's trying, there are people trying to assassinate her and, um... Her plane ends up exploding, and she's presumed dead. And then she shows up as, like, a homeless woman who claims she's from the planet Mars. If you watch the Japanese version, it's from the planet Venus. So this woman from Venus or Mars is walking around making these predictions that these monsters are going to attack the city. Um, She says, like, Rodan is going to come out. Godzilla is going to come out. Watch out for King Ghidorah. Like, I know who he is. Like, he he wiped out my planet ages ago. He's a real jerk. And 
Everyone thinks she's crazy, and then they start to come true. Godzilla surfaces, Rodan surfaces. There's a really weird scene in the middle of the movie that is like the laziest, most nonsensical explanation for how she survived. Like, the movie's (laughs) going, the movie is going from point A to point B, like, you know, movies do. And then suddenly it just goes to an old scientist who you're briefly introduced to in the beginning, and he, he says that. When the princess, when her plane blew up, like, she fell out of the plane, and she survived by, like, when she was falling out of the plane, she, like, went into another dimension, and then, like, came out again into our dimension. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, it was just, like, inserted in there randomly. (laughs) So like a gap in the dimensions, but either way, it's just yeah, I don't know. It made it, either way, it makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. So anyway, um, so King Ghidorah is there. Mothra knows that this is going to happen, and Mothra's like, "Hey, Godzilla and Rodan, like Godzilla and Rodan are fighting at this point." And Mothra, he, I guess this one's a he that I, I think that they refer to him is like guys like we all need to team up and fight King Ghidorah or else you're going to lose the planet earth and you're all going to be dead. And Godzilla and Rodan are like, well, you know, why should we do that? Humans are assholes. Um, and, uh, it's a really hokey scene where the monsters are talking and the, the, the Shobajin Mothra's twin fairies are like translating it. Um, it's a scene. Well, like I said, in the King Kong versus Godzilla, part like ishiro honda really really hated having to make the monsters like have any kind of human quality so he he went on record saying like he hated making that directing that scene like he hated it um but suburaya is like no we got to make these for kids kids like when monsters act like us or whatever um and eventually they set their their uh their differences aside and fight king Ghidorah, and um during all that, there's actually some pretty fun, like, espionage, almost James Bondish kind of, um, like, spy stuff going on with these spies trying to assassinate the princess. Um, it's a really fun movie, but like I said, this is the third kaiju movie they made in 1964 with the same personnel. Um, so it feels a little more rushed than the other two movies that came out that year. Um, the editing is definitely like really weird, especially the American version. Like, is really choppy. The dub is actually pretty decent, but the editing's like really choppy. Here's one where I would suggest the Japanese version. Um, it's not a perfect movie. It's a little rough around the edges, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Um, this one I would do maybe a three and a half. You know, I'll do four. I'm feeling generous. I'll do a four for this one. Yeah, like I actually really like this movie a lot, and I would I would probably say four, four and a half. Um, I, like for me, the thing that that I kind of, I think attracts me to it is the fight between Godzilla and Rodan is kind of the my actually that in in the rampage for Ghidra in the city. Like that sequence it still looks better than a lot of the stuff that Toho's produced since. Like to me, the the effects work, uh, the wire work for Ghidra, like. It, Gators never look better, in my yeah. opinion. Um, that sequence still holds up and still looks better than, like, if you look at the 1991 version of Ghidra, you look at, like, Death Ghidra or Grand King Ghidorah or whatever that's Toho's put out afterwards. That, that sequence still looks better than anything that Toho's done. And the fight between Godzilla versus Rodan, where, like, 
when it picks up Godzilla and drops him basically crotch first on that top, on the uh, high tension wire, <laughs> like that sequence is just awesome. Yeah. And, and so for me, like the, it's it, this is also kind of the film that sort of takes the series really more into the like the crazy sci-fi stuff because you have a space monster, you have like the interdimension stuff, like. It, it, it sort of takes it more into a really fantastical land versus some of the stuff that was more grounded in the previous stuff. Like, I get King Kong's not exactly grounded, but, like, now we're getting, like, the espionage stuff. Like, you're, you're just seeing a more fantastical take on the creatures. Plus, now they're talking to each other. Like, it's just... <laughs> yeah. And, so, like, they're, they're, like, throwing rocks at each other and, like, Rodan and, like, Mo- when Mothra shoots Godzilla with that, uh, with, like, her, um, her webbing, like, Rodan, he, he laughs, like... <laughs> Yeah, and then you have like, the infamous uh, or the uh, in- gosh, I can't even talk right now. You have the scene where like Godzilla, the they're translating the, the the Godzilla's cussing at each other, like at Rodan, like oh Godzilla, what terrible language! Like, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> like the whole thing is just kind of it, it, it's really fun and and sort of stupid, but like it, what I like about the film are the mon- like the action and in the the actual fighting between the monsters. Rodan is fighting Ghidorah, like kicks him in the face. Ghidra flies and chases after Rodan, and Rodan like stops on a dime and like plasters Ghidra out of the air. Like that, there's there's some really cool things in these films that I think later on, like in the '90s films, they kind of lose sight of. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what I like about the earlier films. I think. Yeah, I mean, and people have tried. Like, I think Tezuka was really trying to ape some of this stuff, like in Megaguirus. Kitamura was definitely trying to go there a little bit with Final Wars, but I don't know. It just, you're right. Like, this movie, I think it really kind of, I don't know. This movie kind of really, it knows how to, like, play it up, and it knows how to, like, play it up for laughs better, I think. And, uh, I mean, obviously, this is where they're, like, officially, like, hey, these movies are for kids now. We can Toho's like, hey, we can make a lot more money if we make these for kids. So that's exactly what's happening. Um, and to do that, like, I think that they kind of—I don't know—I kind—I feel like they kind of introduce those more humorous, like, goofy things. Um, they introduce most of them here, and I don't know. I, th- I feel like they work, especially in the context of this particular movie. Um, and this is also like what people kind of frequently point to is like Godzilla's transition into being a hero or a good guy. Like after like Mothra pretty much convinces him to, to, to be a good guy. And he's pretty much like that for the rest of the Showa series. Yeah. Oh, one of the other cool or not cool, but probably like funny scenes. In the movie is when uh, Malmus catches a rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not sure if we're supposed to laugh at that, but <laughs> <laughs> we're not. But it was still pretty funny. And uh, it's it's also weird. Like people get shot in the head and stuff in this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, like they have that blend between like there's so much violence sometimes in these films. Like all the guys get crushed in the cars and like there's blood everywhere, but yet <laughs> it's still aimed at kids. I, I think people forget how like violent some of these like. You see bullet holes in people's heads in some of these. Like, I think people kind of forget that. Like, <laughs> yeah, we we'll just wait till we get to like Terror of Mechagodzilla, the Japanese version. Oh lord, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, <clears throat> but no, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. It's a lot of fun. Um, so I guess uh, the last movie we're gonna talk about here um, is gonna be. Uh, Monster Zero or Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. Um, 
here uh, is uh, this one's actually a co a uh, Japanese American co production with um, um, Henry Saperstein, uh, and um, this one uh, actually didn't come out until the in the U.S. until the seventies, but. In Japan, we're in uh, 1965, and um, in an unspecified year, I don't know why they decided to do that, uh, this movie takes place, and um, we have our astronauts, Glenn and Fuji, two of my favorite characters in the Godzilla series. I think yep. they're awesome. Yes. Um, played by Nick Adams and uh, Akira Takarada from the original and from Godzilla vs. Mothra. Um they uh, are checking out a new planet called Planet X, and um, while they're there, um, they meet the aliens uh, and, who are dressed in these really goofy, like, how do you even explain what they wear? Like, <laughs> they have, like, antennas, and then they have elf shoes, and, like... They have, like, leather tights on, but, like, have... I, I don't even know what the... <laughs> they sort of have a turtleneck, but it's not really a turtleneck. I don't yeah. Know. Um, and they meet the, the, the commander played by Yoshia Suchia, who like did a lot of like weird, like improvised, like arm gestures to make him seem more alien than I, and that's actually, that's like a little touch that I always really loved about that performance. Um, but anyway, uh, they're there and they're like, Hey, um, our planet sucks and we're constantly being menaced by this monster called monster zero. And as they're explaining this, the monster shows up, and it's King Ghidorah, who's, like, uh, like shooting their their planet uh, with his, his, his lasers. And they're like, we need help from uh, your Monster Zero One and Monster Zero Two, as they say, everything's numbered there, and that's Godzilla and Rodan. And they're like, uh, like, really? Are you sure? And they're like, we'll give you a miracle drug that will cure all sickness on Earth. And because Earthlings are a bunch of dum-dums, they're like, oh, that sounds like a real thing. And then um, Godzilla's resting in the lake, and Rodan is resting in the mountains. And uh, while they're asleep, they uh, transport Godzilla and Rodan to Planet X to fight King Ghidorah. Um, and uh, I love that scene, because like, they're just asleep, and they wake up there. And they're just like, where are we? And then they fight King Ghidorah in space. Uh, this is kind of like when everything was going to space. Like, James Bond went to space, and I don't know. Now now Godzilla went to space. They still do that. Like, they do yeah. like, they, they did, like, Hellraiser in space and stuff. Like Jason X. Yeah. Oh <laughs> Leprechaun in space. Well, this is Godzilla's turn. Um, so they fight King Ghidorah briefly, and he runs away. And then... Um, they're like, Godzilla and King and Rodan are assholes. Let's just leave them here. <laughs> and so uh, then they get back to Earth. And uh, it turns out that miracle drug was fake. Surprise. And they have a tape that says, hey, uh, humans, you need to be our slaves and do everything that we say or else we'll, we'll just kill all of you. Um, King Ghidorah has been under our command the whole time. And now we have Godzilla and Rodan, too. So... They unleash the monsters, the humans try to find a way to break their um, control over the monsters, and once they do that, Godzilla and Rodan fight King Ghidorah, and that's our movie. Um, this one, after honestly, after the original and after Godzilla vs. Mothra, this might be my favorite, like my third favorite in the series. 
I just think this movie is so much fun. Um, and even though the mo- this is one that I always use an ex- as an example of like, even though there's not a whole lot of Godzilla stuff or a whole lot of monster stuff, like the human characters are all really good. They're all really well written. They're all really um, fun. Um, and the actors have really good chemistry. Like Nick Adams is Glenn is really likable, really funny. And like his, him and Akira Takarada, like his partners and best friends in this movie, like they have real chemistry together. Um, you have, uh, I think this is the first time Kumi Mizuno has shown up in a Godzilla movie playing uh, Glenn's love interest, which again, like at the time, especially like in Japan, like having an interracial couple in a Godzilla movie was probably pretty ballsy, um, but that's kind of the thing that Honda always pushed for. Um, like I said, he was pretty progressive, pretty liberal, um, and uh, and then Akira Kubo shows up, I think, for the first time in a Godzilla movie as like the nerdy inventor who makes that like um, the device that has that sound that drives the aliens away. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I just think this movie's a blast, and yeah. like, I, this is just one that I can watch over and over. Um, this is another one that has a really good dub, and also as an added benefit of watching the dub version, you actually get to hear Nick Adams uh, and like his real performance. Um, again, you can watch the American or Japanese version and be pretty good either way. Um, I don't know. This is one of my favorite movies, though. Um, Anything you want to add on Monster Zero? How do how do you feel about this one? I know you said that as a kid you didn't really like it, but I know you said you like it a lot more now. Yeah, th- this is actually my favorite Godzilla movie, uh, and and I didn't like it as a kid, but now like I, I love it, especially because of Nick Adams. Like his the the dub is hilarious. I mean, like if you watch it, like the, <laughs> the controller Planet X is such a douche. Like he just <laughs> everything he does is so like uh, passive aggressive and. It, it's watching the chemistry that all the actors have um really the 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 plot getting like like you said there's not a whole lot of monsters but the the actors the characters they work really well together everything between uh Namikawa and 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 really Nick Adams like they're they're hilarious like it's um their chemistry on screen and like Akira Kubo like him being kind of like the the nerdy inventor like his by the way, that invention, that noise it makes is just atrocious. Like I understand why <laughs> I understand why their spaceships like blow up. But um you have like Fuji and Glenn have great chemistry, then you have Namikawa and, and you have like a genuine on screen, like it seems like they really care about each other, and then you have like the um the dub, which is just so well done. And like it's kinda cool to actually see his performance because like it seems like he cares. Well yeah, like, the thing is, like you'll there's a lot of um like, uh, American actors that found themselves in foreign movies a lot, like, kind of, either when their careers were, like, starting to sputter out a little bit, like, um, I know, like, there was a lot of, like, Italian horror movies that saw, like, a lot of American stars come over, and you had the, you had that in, in Japan a little bit, like, you have Nick Adams in this, um, like, uh, Russ Tamblin in War of the Gargantuas, like, Joseph Cotton in Latitude Zero, Rhodes Reason and King Kong Escapes, and out of all of those actors the only one that really seems like he is buying into it and that he actually cares about the movie is nick adams and from what i hear like behind the scenes he was just like he got really close with everyone um even though he didn't speak any japanese but he, he despite the language barrier like 
offset like he was really he got to be really good friends with Akira Takarada and uh, Mashiro Honda loved him and um like uh I know him and Yoshia Suchia who played the um the commander of Planet X like they were really close um and he even like start got to know like some of the effects guys a little bit like he was really he really liked being in these um and then I I mean you know I has I don't want to say anything like perpetrate any gossip or anything but there's a lot of really strong rumors that have been around a long time that him and Kumi Mizuno had kind of a an affair going on um yeah I've I've read and heard that as well and uh and so he was really into being in these and um if he if not for his death I feel like he definitely I, I feel like he definitely would have been in more movies I feel like Ashiro Honda definitely he would have been one of his regulars I think He's the only one that really seemed to like not care that Hollywood didn't care about him anymore, and he just kind of wanted to make enjoy making movies with people he liked, and um, and yeah, like it, it, like you said, like you can tell on the screen that like he actually like is just as into it as anyone else, which you didn't always get when you got a lot of these um, Western actors coming in. Yeah, and that would unfortunately get even worse in the '90s, like. <laughs> Who's the guy from Mecha Godzilla? <laughs> that guy's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, hey, I, lo- I love Don Fry, but he's not Nick Adams. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, and the other thing about this film is I, I love the the mat shots, like the 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 people running in the foreground with like Godzilla terrorizing the the city in the background in this film. Like, they look incredible. Like, I, I don't. They hold up really well today. Like, there's even scenes of like a giant foot that they constructed for this this movie that's like smashing the miniature sets. That that actually looks better than the stuff that they did for similar similar scenes in like Godzilla 1985 with a giant crane that mm-hmm. a crane foot thing. And and this film it still holds up. And so one of the things I really appreciate about the 60s films too is like the color palette. Like the the films are vibrant. They're bright. And you get like this nice uh, mashup of like the monsters ripping through the countryside, and it's just so pretty to kind of look at. And then you have the destruction going alongside that, and it's kind of this nice contrast of like destruction and like the Japanese countryside in the background. Like it's just it's kind of a thing of beauty, and and I really appreciate that aspect of these films. And there's like a certain charm that you just don't get with like the '90s films, I think. And and I'm a fan of the '90s films actually, um, but th- this kind of has all of the um, quintessential elements for like a Godzilla movie to me. Like it has, it has everything. Like you have like you have like the white Gaijin as they call him, like actor. You have the Godzilla going into space or like the the space monster. You have like the crazy science fiction elements. Um, there, there's just a lot of cool things, and and that's why it's probably my my favorite movie. So for me, it's an absolute like five out of five. Yeah, this is a five out of five. How do you feel about that dance that Godzilla does? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of goofy, but like it it doesn't bother me at all. I guess like it's just kind of one of those things that like happen, and when when you watch it, like okay, <laughs> like. But I mean, like I also understand like they were trying to. It was a popular dance at the time, and they were trying to like put it in the movie for that reason. And I'm sure that was something that um, Honda was thrilled about. <laughs> oh no, you know he hated that too. This is the last movie he does for a little while. Uh, after this, he was doing. 
things like Frankenstein conquers the world and more of the gargantuas and Matango. He was kind of, you know, he just kind of respectfully was like, you know, the Godzilla series, you know, he really wasn't into the direction it was going in. And um, he came back three times after this, each for like very, I think, kind of special occasions. But, you know, I can see how the person who directed the 54 movie at this point might be like, uh... This isn't really what I want to do with this character. So, <laughs> yeah, we went from having purpose to like having Godzilla do dance moves. Yeah, so I, I, I get where he's coming from, um, and I actually think that Jun Fukuda, who kind of was doing the movies while, while Honda that Honda wasn't doing, I think he was a really good replacement. Like his, his sensibilities kind of matched where they wanted the series to go. Um, but no, Monster Zero is awesome. Again, oh, we might want to mention another awesome uh, is Fukube score. Like the Monster Zero March might be one of my favorite tracks he's done. Um, oh yeah, and uh, yeah, this movie is awesome. And this is and hey, don't just take it from us. Like a lot, this is one of the more popular movies in the series. I think. Um, like I know Tim Burton really likes this one, and you can definitely see the influence on uh, Mars Attacks, even going <laughs> down to how they get rid of the aliens in that movie. Um, I know uh, the Quentin Tarantino um, did uh, like his list of his, the, what he said he considers the best sequels of all time, and Tarantino had Monster Zero on there. Um, so yeah, I mean this this one's a, this is one of the classics of the series, and I don't know. I, I feel like you can't go wrong. Yeah, I I mean this is this is a film that I would definitely show anybody trying to get into the series as like a quintessential like see this movie. I, I would probably throw Ghidra in there as well, but like this is. I don't know. For me, this is kind of the the cream of the crop. Yeah, and, and I I feel like part of the reason Ghidra doesn't score as high for me is. I feel like this movie kind of took what that movie did and did everything that that movie did better in a way. Like, yeah, and like the, the characters are, are a little more. Yeah, likeable. like it, like it it covers a lot of the same ground, but I just feel like it's a more polished movie. I feel like it's just like it's just stronger. I think um, like a Ghidorah was almost like a test run for this movie. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, and the thing I think too, like Nick Adams and Kumi Mizuno, like th- their chemistry and like the the way they play off each other in the film, it really kind of sets the tone. And then you have this like nice relationship between Nick and Akira Takarada throughout. That kind of plays off of that. And yeah, and just- then like you have like Akira Kubo's dating Akira Takarada's sister, and he's just like an asshole to him <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, like he's just making fun of him. Like yeah, time. and like they they feel like real characters. Like they feel like real people. Like they yeah, like, like they make fun of each other. Like you don't see that a lot in movies of this genre. And so I think that's like again why this one's such a a good time to watch over and over is because the characters are just as good as the monsters. This is also the first time you kind of see like Godzilla starts doing boxing and like dancing moves with his feet. <laughs> like, <there's> yeah. this, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, like, I don't know. There, there's just some interesting stuff that happens during the fight sequences. But man, I, I tell you what, one of the, my favorite parts of this movie is again, the, the destruction sequences that happen and, the the match shots man like the the shots of the people running in the foreground Godzilla in the background like they look better in the 60s than some of the stuff that that's been produced since and that's the kind of stuff that i really think uh Superaya and just he had a gift for that 
once you know obviously once he departs the series like you just you don't always get that afterwards yeah and I, that's the thing like like i always i i just said a few times like honda and subaraya working with like a kimura or um sakazawa script like that's as good as movies get to me and the thing about sequels and this goes for anything whether it's you're watching uh like halloween four or like or whatever like when you when you you're trying to replicate something that like these originators did better than anybody like it 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 just doesn't feel as like it's it doesn't come together because you're working with other talented people who are trying to kind of mimic different talented people and you get something that doesn't feel as unique and like i feel like the originality is really in the honda subaraya productions and everything that came after is you know i mean is good but it 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 just lacks that special something that that those guys had yeah i i totally agree with you on that um so i guess that's where we'll leave off so next time we're going to be looking at um the mid 60s where things start to get pretty crazy <laughs> crazy good or <laughs> uh a little of both <laughs> yeah there's some cool stuff thrown in the mix yeah um so i don't know is there anything else you want to add no nah, i think we pretty much covered everything yeah i know this episode looks like it's, it ran a little longer um but that's probably because we had a lot of like really like big game-changing movies with a lot of history we had to go over. But um, I wouldn't expect the next ones to, to be as long. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, until next time, uh, thank you for listening. And, uh, yeah, we will pick up next time with Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.